Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Pitch Towards Holiness podcast. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. So today we have a lot um, planned, but first we like to mention we're sorry for not having an episode last week. Um, we were all on a trip to Austin, and so we do apologize for not releasing any podcasts last week, but we do have something really cool and ready for y'all. Um, so dad, take it away. Well, you know, the back in, um, I'm not sure what year it is. Michael's going to pull it up in just a second and tell you, but there was a, um, altercation on the field on a baseball diamond, um, some years back between two players that, um, really got me thinking about how many times that we get knocked down, that we get punched in the face by the enemy and, um, we just don't do anything about it. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Before we do, let's go ahead and get into the altercation I'm talking about. So, Michael? Right. So on August 4th, 1993, Nolan Ryan was pitching for the Texas Rangers against the Chicago White Sox. And that enough should already trigger some people to know what I'm talking about. And so um, during that game, Ryan plunked. Ventura in his second at bat of the game, the at bat prior, he had singled and um, hit in a run. And so the next at bat, Nolan Ryan hits him on the first pitch. Robin Ventura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he takes a few steps to first. And then for some reason, probably because he was like, oh, this this old guy's got it coming or something. I don't know. He, he charges the mound. And Immediately, Nolan Ryan puts him in a headlock and starts just sucker punching this guy. Way laying on him. Yeah, like, I don't think Ventura landed a punch. No. Like, Nolan Ryan had this dude um, just basically nailing him in the face. Before the benches could even clear and come out there and really help him out, he was just doing damage to this man's face. Yeah, and the funny thing is that the other fielders on, on the field got there and they didn't know what to do. You could see them just kind of hopping around them. Like, like, should we help? Should we pull them off? And then just chaos when the benches start to I think they were all, all struck. They're like, man, I can't believe Nolan Ryan's beating this guy up like this. Yeah. Cause normally his pitching spoke for himself. I mean, dude has plenty of strikeouts. One of the best ERAs in baseball. I mean, his pitching spoke for himself, but, to see that out of him was just really came out of nowhere. Well, and, and he was always been, he was always a fiery competitor. He, um, liked to win. He pitched well enough to win a lot of games, um, get a lot of strikeouts. He's a hall of fame pitcher for a reason. Um, but the, the fire that he had as a competitor really is what we're going to talk about tonight in the spiritual, because, you know, if you look at, what what Nolan Ryan did, he was defending himself because um, this guy was coming after him. And um, Robin Ventura ended up getting the, the bulk of the punishment, even though he um, started the altercation. But whenever we look at it in the spiritual, there's so many times that, you know, Michael, we, we accept the devil um, beating up on us mm-hmm. and, and just let him do some things that he shouldn't be allowed to do. Um, we, we have the power over sin. We have the power over 
the, all the works of the enemy. Um, Luke ten nineteen says, Jesus says, look, I have given you the power over snakes and scorpions and every work of the enemy. Nothing shall harm you. That doesn't mean that we're never going to get nicks and scrapes and bruises. That just means the enemy doesn't have control over you. You have to give it over to him for him to be able to do anything to you. And so whenever we were kind of looking at this this um, Bible verse that I'm about to read really had me thinking about what happened with Nolan Ryan and how he went straight on attack. Right. Um, he could have let Robin Ventura come over there and just start beating him up, but um, Nolan Ryan quickly went on the defensive mm-hmm. and um, made Robin Ventura second guess what he was doing and, um, right. you know, really made him think twice about ever doing that again to to somebody like Nolan Ryan. Right. And the, the funny part is, is you see pictures from then and you always see the picture of Nolan Ryan's lip being cut and him have blood all over his jersey. But that wasn't from Ventura. That was from another fielder who cut him with his glove, trying to pull Ventura off of him. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. Um, you know, I, I don't how old Nolan Ryan was then. I don't know, but um, he he was a lot older than Robin Ventura. Um, but that's besides the point. So let, let's kind of wrap this up into the spiritual, and I really want to address some things tonight. Um, we we came from a men's retreat this past weekend, and. Um, before then and and now, I really have some things welling up in my spirit that I really want to address because there is too often that we as Christians are sitting around and um, when the devil comes against us with lies and we accept his invitation to sin, um, there's way too often that we're just letting him um, have his free reign with us. We're not standing up and we're not fighting. Um in in First Peter five eight it says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But are we going to be afraid and are we going to be victimized by this lion that's roaring around called the devil, or are we going to be um, coming after him with all the confidence of the lion of Judah, the real lion, the one that that um, created everything, the one that has the power over the enemy. And um, so I want to read a scripture to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, it's 1 first, first Corinthians 6, 9. It says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? So first of all, um, Paul's writing this letter to the church. It's not to um, people that are unsaved. It's to the saved people. And and so it says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Mm-hmm. Do not be deceived. That's what we were just talking about. Do not be deceived. No sexual immoral people, idolaters, adulteresses, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And further on in um, in um, the same book, um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13, it says, um, the last part of 13, it says, the body is not for sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord. And will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are parts of Christ's body? 
So should so should you take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? The scripture says the two will become one flesh, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So verse 18 says, run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the, con- on the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Remember that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, don't you know that your body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So the scripture speaks for itself. I don't think I need to expound on what sins that the Paul's addressing within the church. But the thing is that these people were letting the devil come and attack them, and they weren't fighting back. They weren't bringing God's word with them and giving God's word back to the enemy to put him on the run. They were just sitting there and allowing the enemy to come into their territory and take it over. Right. And um, it eventually seeped so far into the church of Corinth that Paul had to address it. And, and by then they were so sin sick that they couldn't even see the peril of their own ways. They were just, they, that's what they wanted to do. They were sexually immoral. They, you know, all, all those things that I read, he was addressing specifically because these people were allowing this to happen. These people that were washed in the blood of the lamb, these people that had the power over sin were letting the devil come against them. And I think that it's high time that the church starts standing up, especially the men of God within the church in telling the devil, no, no longer will I accept the lies of the enemy and no longer will I let this sin go on in my family, my family, my home. Um, no longer am I going to just turn a blind eye to some of these things that are going on within our kids, but we're going to start addressing them, not in a judgmental way, but through prayer and um, bringing God's word to the table so people can be edified and corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think there's way too much of the, you know, Michael, I, I don't want to hurt this one's feelings or, I, you know, I want to be my my kids' friends, or, um, you know, I, I just, I just want them to, to love me and not, I don't want them to, to hate me. So I don't say anything about their sin. Right. And not addressing it is accepting it. Right. And, um, I think that we're at a place now in, in the church as a whole in general, that if we don't start addressing this stuff, it's going to overtake us and our kids are going to have to pay for the times that we sat on our butts and mm-hmm. did nothing mm-hmm. when the, the enemy came against us. Yeah, and I feel like right now, um, culturally, being offended is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go around offending people. So because of that, you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because in in the Old Testament, um, in First Samuel, um, God told Eli that he needed to address the sin of his sons. Mm-hmm. His 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 sons were priests and they were sleeping around and they were doing stuff that they weren't supposed to do. And God told Eli, you need to take care of it. And so he went and he basically slapped his sons on the wrist. Didn't do anything. So along comes Samuel 
and he's in the house of the Lord. And, you know, a lot of people know the story. God calls him in the middle of the night and, and, um, he thinks it's Eli. And then finally he realizes it's God. And when God talks to him, he tells him to go tell Eli to address his son's sins, or he's going to bring judgment to his house. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, Eli didn't heed the warning and his sons ended up dead and he ended up dead. And I'm not, I'm not, we're not sitting here saying this to make people afraid that your sin is going to, is going to, you know, you're going to end up in a casket. But really, I think that's a picture of being spiritually dead. And um, that spiritually dead person is separate from God. And I think it, I think that's a great type and shadow of how sin separates us from God because he's a holy God. He can't be where sin is. And so if we, if we invite all those things into our home, if we invite all those things into our families and we just let it happen, well, when the judgment of the house of the Lord comes to our house, it's going to, it's going to cause some separation because of our sin and what we've accepted. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to be separated from his presence and right. out of his protection and out of his, his will and um, his blessing. I don't want to be in that place because I've experienced it in the past and it didn't work out that well. Right. So I want to, I want to read another scripture. It's in Ephesians five, um, Ephesians five, one, it says, therefore be imitators of God. I don't know how we can be imitators of God unless we get in his word. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where it starts. And then we have a lot of lazy Christians these days that aren't reading God's word. They're just taking what preachers tell them at face value, and they're not going to find it out on their own. They're not doing any Bible study. Maybe do a five-minute devotion, call it good, but that is not spending time with God. So, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us. As a, sacrif- as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as it is proper, as is proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking or are not suitable, but rather giving thanks for, I'm sorry, rather giving thanks for know and recognize this, Every sexually immoral and impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance of the kingdom of God, of the Messiah, and of God. Verse 8, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in the secret. Man, we've got a lot of people doing secret sins. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead and give Christ. And, and I'm sorry, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Mm-hmm. So here we are. I mean, we're, we're at a place where... Um, the, the devil's at bat, he's, um, waiting on our, our pitch and, um, we have a, we have a choice whether to bring him our best pitch, which is scriptures found in God's word, or if we're going to just try to, um, walk home or let him get a hit or a home run off of us and then accept his sin. 
on the worst case scenario, he could come and personally attack us like Robin Ventura did Nolan Ryan and, and devour us. Um, but if you want to look at this as a spiritual parallel, then um, Nolan Ryan would be the Christian that's on guard and ready to go. Right. And when the devil comes out of that batter's box and comes charging against you and um, charging against your family, charging against your kids, charging against your marriage, charging against your finances, well, then you're ready to fight back with the word of God and you're you're stopping all this um, limp-wristed Christianity and just not taking um, what he has to throw at you, but you're counterattacking with, with God's word. But that only can happen if you're in God's word. Mm-hmm. And so here we go talking about spiritual disciplines again because that's really the heart of the Father is having that intimate relationship with him. You know, the whole point of this podcast is to help us all strive towards holiness. Right. And being set apart. And that only happens when you spend time with God and spend time with Christ. It's that daily sanctification. It's that daily cleaning you up through his word, through prayer, through those still moments with him that um, brings us closer to him and makes us more like him. Mm -hmm. But when we don't do those things, then it's going to be very easy for us to accept the things of the world. And it's going to be very easy for us to accept the lies of the enemy. And then we're going to see ourselves, our families, our kids devoured by the enemy. And we're going to wonder why, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And it was all because we just sat back and did nothing. Right. And I like how, um, pastor Clinton put it last weekend at the men's retreat. Um, he, he basically, what we're talking about is one of the things that he brought up and how if Christians don't start standing back up for what's right and taking back um, what your kids learn at school, what um, people do um, just in general, like if Christians don't start standing up to this culture, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be. Yeah, everybody thinks that they should just take a backstage and let this one guy or the you know the other guy handle it. Mm-hmm. Well, when we do that, the other guy um, would be happy to handle it, and he's usually someone that's being used by the enemy. And um, when Christians sit down, the devil's glad to stand up. So um, it just it's time, I, Michael. It's time for us to stand up as men of God. It's time for us to stand up as um, holy set-apart people mm-hmm. and um, get into the fight and get into the fight full force and be on the offensive instead of on the defensive all the right. time. You know, everybody's like, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You accepted the lie of the enemy. You accepted the invitation for him to sin. He didn't make you do anything. You did it all by yourself. You had the choice to make and you made the wrong choice because you didn't know the truth. Right. Or when you go to stand up for what's right and you're like oh well i don't want to get canceled or i don't want to hurt someone's feelings or i don't want to be looked at like the bad guy when in reality what you're saying is the truth and it's right and yeah it's going to offend people because they know they're doing wrong that's right and that's that's one of the big things right now is um people wanting to change genders and when you speak out about it people are like oh well you can't tell them what they can and cannot be or um only god can judge so you can't judge 
when in scripture it says, if you see your brother or your sister sinning, go to your brother and sister and tell them that they're sinning. Yeah. Um, it's, we see this, this, um, digression of society because we have a, a society that's devoid of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are willing to, um, re-identify themselves with so many different things. I mean, I, I heard a guy the other day said, or a lady the other day said that she wants to be self-identified as a unicorn from now on. A unicorn. Yeah, that's what she's going to be. So she doesn't exist. Yeah, so I guess. But anyway, people start re-identifying themselves with these labels that the world gives them because they don't know their identity in Christ. Right. And our identity in Christ is laid out very simply in Ephesians 1 and other places in the Bible, but it's really easy to see there. Um, but, you know, the, it's we're here in a place um, where, you know, nobody knows the time or the season that Jesus is going to come back. It's very evident that we're in the last days. I'm not saying that we're in the last days, you know, that we only have weeks left. I, right, nobody right. knows that. But it's very evident that this world is growing darker and darker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God is not going to turn a blind eye and just wink at our sin. He's mm-hmm. He's going to judge um, our nation for all the filth and sin that has drenched us for years and years. And right. as we just grow darker and darker. But you know, a lot of people can say, well, you know, that's really bad news that, you know, everything's dark and, you know, um, better days are coming, you know, you know, better days are coming whenever the Lord returns. But really, if, if you're in a dark world full of sin, that just gives you the opportunity to shine your light the brighter Mm -hmm. because light shines the brightest in the darkest dark. Right. But we can't be lights that shine unless we're fueling that flame. Right. Um, the Holy Spirit um, helps us and guides us and teaches us, but we need to refuel our flames. Um, I think a lot of people, flames are burning out, mm-hmm. and they've let them burn out over time because they've wanted the things of the world more than they want the things of God. And, you know, Michael, one thing did occur to me um, not too long ago is I think a lot of people, most people, sin. Um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, every, you know, a sin here or a sin there. And then actually you're living a life of repentance, but I'm talking about living a life of sin. Mm-hmm. Most people live a life of sin because they don't understand how big God is. Right. They don't understand that he's enough. And because they don't understand that he's enough, they try to fill their life with everything else. Mm-hmm. And it never, it never causes them to be happy. Um, of course, happy is such a um, yuppie word. Yeah, it's such a, a, a short-term thing. Um, but they never have joy. They never have peace. They never have anything, any of the fruits of the Spirit, because their fuel is the world. Mm-hmm. And so their lamps are getting smaller and smaller and darker and darker, and they're not shining anymore. They're just part of the world because um, of what they've allowed to creep in. Right. Their homes. And- I, I had a youth tell me he he was always causing trouble in our youth group and so i i pulled him to the side and i was like hey um what's going on why are you acting like this and he's like well y'all teach us about god's grace and how it's sufficient 
So I can just go and live however I live and God's grace will handle the rest. That's not at all how you should be living. No, that's not. Um, grace is there to forgive us of our sins, but it should in, enable us. Um, the, the grace should give us the power and enable us to walk away from future sins. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have a habitual path of sin after we've come to a place of repentance. We should just leave it at the cross. Um and then if you spend time in the presence of the Lord, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, the more you spend time with him, the less you'll want things of this world. And you'll find it a lot easier to walk away from the things of this world when you're spending that intimate time with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that takes sacrifice. You either right. got to sleep less or get on social media less or watch less TV or, you know, there's these things that we'll have to sacrifice that people by and large are not willing to sacrifice. Right. And I, um, I had a sermon about this at our youth and, um, one of the things that I brought up was the difference between forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness is just the prayer. Repentance is the action that you put forth to not do that anymore. That's correct. Um, Matthew, um, I know that we're about to close, but Matthew 24, um, verse 15, kind of, it's this is Jesus speaking, and he's telling us what we have to look forward to. He said, so when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his clothes. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for at that time there will be great tribulation, the kind that has never never taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were limited, no one would survive. But those days will be limited because of the elect. That means the people of God, the ones that are shining bright. If anyone tells you, then look, here is the Messiah, or over there, I see him. Do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead people astray. And we're seeing that happen all over the place. If possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance, so if if they tell you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Look, he's in the inner room, don't believe it. For as the light, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Whenever the carcass, wherever the carcass is, there is the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will be shed it will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the people on the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven in power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from every corner of the earth. So here we see what what Jesus is predicting in the great tribulation. But if you want to read on there um, in verse 24, it says that um, it says in, I'm sorry, in chapter 24, it says in verse four to watch out that 
no one deceives you. Okay, you wouldn't be deceived if you know the truth. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, so you shouldn't be alarmed, because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation. We're seeing that happen. Uh-huh. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. We're seeing that. Earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of the birth pains. Uh-huh. Then they will hand you over for persecution, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will take offense. Man, we've seen that. Betray one another. We've seen that. And hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures till the end will be delivered. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony of all the nations, then the end will come. And so that's, I know I read that a little bit backwards, but I wanted you to get the gist of what Jesus was saying and um, let you know that the things that are happening, we shouldn't be alarmed because the things that are happening, Jesus predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's fight back. Let's fight against the enemy and not just sit there and be sucker punched all the time when he comes against us and um, sit in the corner and cry about what the enemy's doing um, in, in your life when you've allowed him to do it. But let's stand strong. Let's fight the good fight of faith and um, put the enemy on the run. If you submit to God, you can resist the devil and he will flee to, flee from you. But mm-hmm. the, there's no resistance without submission. So I right. think it's high time that we start submitting. Right. So... With that, let's pray and we'll close out. So, Lord God, I thank you for this day. Lord God, I just pray that you would help us resist the devil, Lord God, that we would stand up for what's right, that you would stand with us, Lord God, that we would shine our light in the darkness, Lord God. I pray for all of those that have their light kind of hidden right now, Lord God, that they would take it back up, Lord God, and that they would continue to shine, Lord God. I pray that people would stand firm in their faith, that we wouldn't be altered or stepped to the side while the world tells us what we do. Lord God, I just pray for this country. I pray for all of those that are listening, Lord God. And I just pray that we would continue to stand. In your name I pray. Amen. And with that, this is Pitch Towards Holiness Podcast. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. Thank you for listening.